Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about the Duncan Incident. That's correct, the Duncan Incident. This, of course, is a UFO encounter that happened up on Vancouver Island back in 1970. We're going to get into that whole encounter in just a bit here, some of the uh, twists and turns that this thing presents to us. First of all, I just wanted to point out that there's recently been a coin created by the uh, Royal Canadian Mint depicting this encounter. I think this is the second UFO coin they've done. Kind of a cool looking little thing they've come together here with. Uh, this article comes to us from cbc.ca. It says, UFO sighting on Vancouver Island featured on new collectible coin. BC artist Patrick Bellinger designed coin for Royal Canadian Mint depicting the 1970 Duncan incident, says this article is dated October 31st, 2023. Has a picture of the nurse as she looks out the window seeing this flying saucer looks like a couple of aliens inside of it. The unexplained sighting of a brightly lit object above a Vancouver Island hospital by a group of nurses in 1970 has now been immortalized on a special glow-in-the-dark coin. The latest collectible silver coin produced by the Royal Canadian Mint features an eerie scene by BC artist Patrick Bellinger showing a nurse pulling back curtains to reveal a floating saucer-shaped craft with a glass-like dome and two shadowy figures inside. The $20 coin, which is rectangular in shape, is the sixth in the Mint's Canada's Unexplained Phenomena series, which depicts unexplained encounters from the country's past. So I stand correct. I thought there was only two, but I guess there's six. Like the other coins in the series, it comes with a black light flashlight that activates glowing in the dark technology in the coin. Sounds kind of cool. It says uh, the so-called Duncan incident happened on the morning of January 1st, 1970 when a nurse at a hospital in Duncan, British Columbia, claimed to have seen a UFO with two humanoid figures inside. According to a news release by the Mint, the nurse called over another colleague to witness the object just as it silently and swiftly moved away, though its lights were still visible to two more witnesses who joined them at the window. So we have a mass UFO sighting here. In the same release, Canadian UFO expert Chris Rutowski said the Duncan incident remains shrouded in mystery more than 50 years later. The RCMP officer who investigated the case was puzzled and could not explain the incident, said Rutowski. The Mint called on Bellinger, who runs the Drifter Studio on Gabriola Island and BC's Gulf Islands, to help create a coin based on the sighting. They sent out a brief, and based on what I did on my own research, he said, adding that he found the story intriguing. Reading the reports, I could see the scene in my head. Bellinger produced another coin in the series in 2021 depicting the Montreal incident, which shows a mysterious object floating above the city's Hotel Bonaventure on the night of November 7th, 1990. Yeah, we did a podcast on that. That's a really cool sighting there, another mass sighting. Other coins in the series include scenes from the UFO crash at Shag Harbor in 1967 and a giant UFO sighting in Yukon in 1996. He says, it takes about a year to produce a full coin such as these, Bellinger said. The process is quite intense, but also a lot of fun. Bellinger says he has been a graphic designer for 35 years, but began illustrating coins more recently. In 2017, he worked on a three-coin series for the Mint called Norse Figureheads, in which he designed a Viking map. Yeah, pretty neat little article, and, and actually a pretty cool-looking coin. Now, let's go take a look a little bit into exactly what this sighting was all about. And we can find this uh, article here from ufoevidence.org. It stated uh, January 1st, 1970, location Duncan, British Columbia, Canada. It says UFO and occupants seen near Cowichan Hospital in BC, Canada. 
It begins, it says, Ms. Doreen Kendall, a practical nurse at the Kowichan District Hospital in Vancouver Island, was looking out the window of the ward when she saw 60 feet away an object so big and bright I could see everything clearly. There were two male figures in the object, one behind the other. One of the men eventually looked right at Doreen, and the craft started to move away, but not before Frida Wilson, a registered nurse, also saw the object. So we have two witnesses, two nurses who witness this thing, and they have a drawing here of this gal. She's looking up this large hospital window, and she sees this flying saucer with two, what she says, men inside, male figures at least, and has a picture here of Doreen Kendall. I'll put a link at the Buy Me a Coffee website. As always, thanks to the folks that uh, support the program over there and at Spotify. Also, don't forget to hit that uh, follow, like, subscribe button. It really helps the program. Now, it goes on here. It says, It was turning 5 in the morning on New Year's Day, 1970, when Doreen Kendall, a practical nurse at the Quechan District Hospital on Vancouver Island, noticed that one of the elderly patients in her ward was restless. Deciding the patient was too warm, she went to a window and parted the drapes to let in a little air. Just as I pulled the drapes, a brilliant light hit me in the eyes, she said. It was still dark outside, but about 60 feet away, right above the children's ward to my left, there was this object so big and bright I could see everything clearly. The object was circular and had what I guess you would call a top and bottom. The bottom was silvery like metal and was shaped like a bowl. There was a string of bright lights around it like a necklace. The top was a dome made of something like glass. It was lit up from inside, and I could see right into it. Continuing her account in question and answer form, Miss Kendall told me there were two male-like figures in the craft, one behind the other, facing to her right away from the hospital. The one in front appeared taller, or perhaps was positioned higher than the other. Their heads were encased in close-fitting dark material. Obviously, these things are picking some kind of a reason why they are uh, showing themselves to people in this form. I just don't get it. As she watched with intense curiosity, yet completely unfrightened, I never felt so peaceful in all my life. I wish I could have talked to them. She became aware of seeing more of the interior of the craft and realized it was tilting. In a moment, she could see, she could see to a point just below their knees and noticed they were standing in front of what looked like stools. They looked like fine, tall, well-built men, she said. They were dressed in tight-fitting suits of the same material that covered their heads, but their hands were bare, and I noticed how human they looked. Their flesh seemed just like ours. Intrigued as she was by the appearance of the two figures, Miss Kendall found her interest centered on what looked like an instrument panel facing the one in front. The man in front was staring at the panel as if something very important was going on, and I wondered if they might have had mechanical trouble. I even thought they might have landed on the roof of the hospital and then had trouble getting and then had trouble taking off. She described the panel as a very large one, taking up almost half the interior of the object and reaching nearly to the top of the dome. The instruments, if that is what they were, seemed to be inset in the chrome like metal of the panel, and there was a variety of sizes. The total was so absorbing that at first Miss Kendall's thoughts were lost to everything else, and for a moment she forgot Mrs. Frieda Wilson, a registered nurse, was in the same room. Then, when I did think of it, I guess I hesitated. I felt I mustn't make a noise or do anything that would break the trend of what was happening. 
At this point, almost as if her thoughts were being read, she saw the figure in the rear turn slowly and face squarely in her direction. He seemed to look right at me, but I couldn't see his face. It was covered with a darkish material that looked softer than the rest of his suit. I am sure he saw me because then he touched the other man on the back. When he did this, the man in front reached down and took hold of something like a lever beside him. I'll never forget how deliberately he did it. He pushed it back and forth, and the saucer, or whatever you call it, started to circle slowly, still close to the building, in an anti-clockwise direction. The motion seemed to break the spell for Miss Kendall, for then she remembered Mrs. Wilson was there and called her over. Later, I spoke separately to Mrs. Wilson, who said, I noticed Miss Kendall standing at the window and wondered what she was looking at. In fact, I was just going to see when she beckoned to me, and when I saw this great big light over the patio outside the children's ward, I'd say it was quite a bit larger than a car. By the estimate of both witnesses, the object spanned a width of about five windows of the children's ward. This gave it a diameter of at least 50 feet. It looked circular in shape, and the far side seemed to be higher than the side near us. It was moving around slowly, and then it started to move away. I didn't really see any top or bottom to it. It was all just tremendously bright. Wow, what a case. Now that, like I said, comes from yuhoevidence.org. Now, I want to go ahead and take a look at this next article. Now, there's another article here I think is pretty good. This is from theblackvault.com. Uh, it says, UFO Duncan, British Columbia, 1970. Of course, this is John Greenwald's site. The date on this is August 18, 2015. And what he has here is a transcript from the Henry McKay archives. It says that this is used uh, with permission from them. We'll just take a look at some of the highlights here. It says, a number of years ago, a nurse in an intensive care ward at the district hospital in Cowichan on Vancouver Island observed an intense light shining in out in the hall from a patient's room. Now, the patient at the time should have been resting with the lights off, and the nurse thought that somebody had left the lights on, and she went down to the room to turn the lights off. Then she realized on entering the room that the intense light was coming in the window. And then basically it says she walks over to the drape, she goes to open them up, and she looks at the window, and then they're like 80 feet away or something. She sees this uh, flying saucer, this UFO hovering. Now, it goes on, it says she reported that she... Uh, stared in amazement and was mesmerized. She said this object was hovering there and it contained two creatures and she said one sitting behind the other. She said the one sitting in the rear turned slowly and looked directly at her. Then that the creature reached forward, placed his hand on the creature sitting in front and the creature in turn reached down and moved lever. Just like she said in the account we read earlier. She's looking at these things. It seems like that they observe her and in response to observing her, uh, they're not really trying to make contact with her so much as they're just trying to get out of there. That's what's where there's definitely some kind of observer effect going on back and forth between these two. It says uh, she was questioning closely about this and she said she could see the interior of the craft and when he reached out and moved that lever, the vehicle tilted and she could see a greater area of this craft. She said inside she could see some sort of control panel and these two humanoids were sitting on tall stools like a child's seat. So oftentimes when we get these uh, detailed uh, observations of what these craft look like on the inside, I wonder if that's just not the you know, part of the observer effect. If that's not the experience, you're just kind of, kind of projecting what they think it should look like uh, into this craft. Because obviously if these things are as advanced as we think they are, you have to wonder if they would even be using 
mechanical things like levers and steering wheels and that sort of thing that we think of as as a mechanical craft it almost you almost wonder if these things wouldn't just be uh, totally fly by wire at this point now it says the craft started moving further away and she realized she could get uh, the other witness and of course that's when she talks about having the the nurse come look out the window that, who also saw this uh you know flying saucer it goes on it says unfortunately the one just saw the light moving off the distance and the uh, and an and another nurse ran down. I believe it was in a, to a small washroom that had a window that had a view of the area where the object was disappearing, and she saw the lights disappearing in the distance also. So you've got three nurses involved in this. You've got the first nurse that walked over and actually got the full view of the flying saucer, the craft, the two beings inside. The second nurse, who when she calls her over, she sees the light as it disappears. And then a third nurse who sees it from another vantage point. So this is definitely a mass or a multiple UFO uh, sighting. It goes on, it says, this is one case has happened in BC and other cases have been reported across Canada. Well, we know there's been lots and lots of cases reported across Canada. Uh, I just think it's a fascinating case. It's just this short little incident that happened where this nurse, you know, back in 1970, reports seeing this UFO right outside of this large hospital window. She gives us all the details of how she sees the two uh, creatures, which she describes as men inside uh, the control panel, the lever, how this thing interacted with her, how these two beings seemed to almost make contact with her, not really to give her a message, but they definitely saw her there. It's weird how she sees them first, and they're kind of operating. They're just doing their own thing, and then when she uh, forms this idea in her mind about, wow, I wonder what will happen when they see me, it's almost as if that's a telepathic message to them to look up. And when they do see her, it's like, wow, they're going to skedaddle out of there. So it has all the elements of these uh, up-close and personal encounters we see, especially when the UFO involves occupants inside. These are some of the most fascinating ones, I think, where the person sees the UFO, they see like a window or a dome into the into the craft and they actually look inside and see creatures walking around and so oftentimes they'll say oh it was a female or hey it was a male i mean how do they know this really but they just seem to intuitively know that these things have two genders male and female we have to wonder uh, is that even possible so you kind of get into this whole area of how much of this stuff is being uh, projected by the observer and how much of this stuff, or, or is this like just some sort of thing that's actually there? I almost feel like this is more like this interdimensional phenomenon that happens. And sometimes we we just project our own uh, ideas or, or we see it in the way that our mind allows us to see it. You notice how the one nurse, she saw this completely developed craft, creatures walking around inside. It's almost like she makes some kind of contact with them. And the other nurse simply sees this blue flash of light take off. So it's, it's, what I like about this case is you have the detail of the one nurse, but then you also have uh, this intensely personal experience that we so often see in these UFO encounters. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over now. out.